All right, welcome everyone into episode two of Interesting Enough. He's Trey Samuel. I'm Nolan Todd. Thank you for joining us again. Of course, please like, subscribe, and stream at any and everywhere possible. We thank you guys for joining us. Trey, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. You know, I got uh, some good responses from episode one. Um, you know, a lot of people tuned in. I was happy about it. Definitely wanted to link up with you. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. So uh, we just kind of wanted to talk about it. And I'll just kind of get right into it, man. I know we talked about it, of course, off air here, the Steve Nash signing. I don't know if you saw Stephen A. Smith's take um, about the black coaches and things like that or just him, him signing overall. But what was your general take on it and what you feel about it? Um, I did see Stephen A.'s take on it. Um, but my general take on it was I didn't have any problem with the signing. I do think that it's a risk because you're getting somebody who's never been a head coach in the NBA before, who's never been even an assistant coach. But um, this is a guy that's, you know, growing up around basketball. He's played in a Canadian team. Mm -hmm. He's been in the NBA. He's won back-to-back MVPs. I mean, we've done this before where we got in players like a Derek Fisher who didn't have any head coaching experience, and it didn't work that well. So my understanding, like, this could be bad. It might not work out. But you also had a Steve Kerr's. Right. For all intents and purposes, that was great. I mean, I know you could say, well, you had Marty Jackson before him that did a lot of grooming for that team, but it still worked out perfectly. I think as long as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are alone with this and they're fine with it, then it should be fine. That's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. And, of course, for anyone that didn't see Stephen A. Smith's take, I'll just fill people in real quick. He basically felt that um, some, some African-American head coaches don't get the same opportunity with um, that type of experience or no experience at all coaching. So, I mean, to be, to be honest with you, I mean, I agree with that take in terms of, I mean, it is true. Like I, I you know, that, that is, it is a little white privilege when it comes to stuff like that. I would, I would definitely say that. I don't think that's even that controversial to say, because we don't see a lot of black coaches having those opportunities. And, but I do agree with, and I don't know if I know people um, might've got this misconstrued, but it, a part of his point was, he wasn't saying that these guys should have gotten the jobs. He was actually just saying that these guys maybe even should have been gotten interest or gotten interviews. And so our knowledge, and of course it's not all public knowledge, but to our knowledge, we don't know if the guys that were um, the African-American coaches that were ahead of the line there, like the Sam Cassells, Ty, Ty Lue, Mark Jackson, you know, the guys you talk about, even Fisdale, um, those guys weren't interviewed. So I, I thought it was a little weird, but you know, if, if Sean Marks, the GM of, of the Nets feels like, Hey, this is our guy and they've been looking for him. I mean, like, I guess it's kind of like, well, you don't have to interview other guys if you kind of know your guy. But I also kind of feel like, you know, that's part of the reason why you got the Rooney, Rooney rule in the NFL. Like you, just because you may have your guy, you don't know, you know, other guys should be able to at least get the opportunity. And like he said, if those guys get their names out there as even being possible candidates, that pushes them forward for other jobs. But again, that's also not Sean Marks's responsibility to be the like spearhead of like a, some type of affirmative action thing for an, or for NBA coaches. So I think it's definitely, but, but as far as the fit, I, mean, I think it's a great fit. I mean, we know Steve Nash's relationship with Kevin Durant, you know, with the Warriors. And um, I think he's one of the few people that Kyrie Irvin may have to kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, listen to or, or, or respect in, in certain aspects as far as just on, just as far as on court stuff. I mean, I'm sure Kyrie Irvin respects all the other coaches he had, but just as far as on court stuff, I mean, this is guys, like you said, a two-time MVP knows just as much about anybody as running the point guard position that's ever played the game, right? So why wouldn't you want to get expertise from him and, and 
respect his decision making when it comes to certain things. You know what I mean? So I think it's interesting, man. I don't know what it does. Do you think it pushes them any further as far as just a contender or is that just based surely, you know, squarely on the talent that they have? I think it does push them further as a contender. Obviously, um, Steve Nash, he's very comfortable playing with, alongside other star players when he had Amari Stoudemire on by his side. He obviously played alongside Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard. I know that experiment did not work well, but you can learn from him. I think that he has a lot of NBA knowledge, and I think that Kyrie Irving will be willing to listen to him. I know he's not the um, player to listen to the most people. You know, he's not going to listen to most, but I think he'd be willing to at least listen partly to Steve Nash, and I think that is something. And then I think Kevin Durant. I mean, we could say a lot about him, but as far as playing with him and having him as a um, teammate or having him as a player, if you're a coach, I think that he's pretty easy to coach. He might not be easy to manage off the court as far as the locker room, but as far as coaching, I think he would be easy to manage. Um, I think his Brooklyn team, though, I think Steve Nash can help them, but I think so much in the NBA is really based on who you have right. as far as the players go. I mean, you could have Greg Popovich like this year. He didn't have the best players around him. They don't make the playoffs. I still think he's a great coach. That's not really his fault. But if you don't have great players, you can't do anything with that. Right. Or you could take Milwaukee, for example, this year. Mike Budenholzer, pretty good coach. You know, I'm not crazy about him, but pretty good coach. Right. But you see they're struggling right now. I think if they had a Greg Popovich on their team, you know, this was they wouldn't be behind in the series to Miami. Put it that way. And so I know we're going to get to the, that series in a second. I do think a big thing about, I would say, especially NBA coaches, I would say especially, it's, it's just, I would say maybe like 75% of it is just really just the managing personalities part of it. There's very few X's and O's. You can tell the guys like Kyrie or Kevin Durant with like this amount of basketball knowledge and like basketball IQ. You know what I mean? And I, was, I always feel like that's where the guys like the Greg Popoviches and stuff like that. And, and even to, I know Rick Carlisle is kind of a guy who's known for the X's and O's, but a few other coaches around the league, Spolstra, you know what I mean? Like that are just really good at, at making pieces fit. So I just thought personally, I, as far as if I was just looking at that um, and I don't know the whole makeup, what the Nets roster is going to look like next year. I thought a guy like Mark Jackson or Ty Lue are, are perfect at that type of thing. I mean, you, we could probably talk about Steve Nash and X's and O's all day, but, like, Mark Jackson, Ty Lue, these guys are proven to, like, how they, they're able to get teams to mesh. See, now, with so. Ty Lue, though, I just want to say, mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak too much on it, but Kyrie Irving, we know this probably a rift between him and LeBron James. Does he right. want a guy that he's already dealt with that he might look as, oh, this is LeBron's guy. I don't want to be attached to this. I want to start something new. I mean, and I Durant, same thing. Yeah, even Durant, the same thing. You know, he doesn't want to be attached to a LeBron guy. And I hate to put Ty Lue in that. Like, because I really think he's his own man. He's a great coach. Um, he deserves to be an NBA head coach. But just because of who he's tied to, I think both of them might be kind of sketchy on that idea. So, yeah, I, I agree with that, too. And, and again, like you said, the most important thing of all this is our opinion on it is great. But it's only Kyrie Irving's and Kevin Durant's <laughs> opinion that actually matters in terms of like, if this is going to work, like. Let's be real. Yeah, let's no see. disrespect to Dinwiddie and Levert and Joe Harris. No, their opinions don't matter. <laughs> when it comes to something <laughs> like this, I mean, they just going to have to get with the program. Them two guys is running the show. So if they sign off on it, I mean, then we're good to go. You know what I mean? And then, you know, and I, I, think, a, I think a little bit, I would say the last thing on that is, you know, a lot of stock is held in so that he doesn't have a lot of experience. But I would say, you know, like you said, there's other coaches 
in the booth and stuff like that. They didn't have a bunch of experience. Pat Riley came straight from the uh, the booth as well to be to be a coach. So I, I would say, and you know, nowadays they put a lot of assistant coaches around guys anyway that have been previous head coaches. Usually, they're able to kind of like walk you through the process. So uh, you know, and listen, like, if so, it doesn't work, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they're gonna say this isn't working. And they're going to let Steve Nash go. I don't want to hear about, oh, he's getting paid this much and yada, yada. No, he's going to be let go. Yeah, guys can get bought out. Yeah, like, listen, <laughs> it's the NBA. If your superstar players don't like the head coach, they're going to leave. You're gone. Yeah. yeah. But, and hopefully it's not a situation because, I mean, these guys aren't getting any younger either. Like, Kevin Durant's window, especially with the injury, we don't know what his window is going to be like for more championships, right? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you got to expect, you know, the Greek freak and, you know, you got Embiid and them guys in the East. You know, I'm just, we don't know what the teams are going to look like, but these are young stars, right? In the East, at least. And, and, and let's just say they didn't move. These teams are going to still be there around. They're going to be relevant. Boston, right? It's just with young stars. So these guys aren't really young stars at this point. So you got to figure at some point the young stars kind of take over that mantle. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, what's a good sign for them overall? Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, don't want to harp too much on it, but I, I definitely do think it's, it's interesting and we'll, we'll see how it goes there. But we did touch on it before. Of course, you know the first series I want to talk about is the Heat Bucks. You know I want to talk about it. You know I can't hide this. <laughs> right now, as we stand, today is the seventh year when we're recording, so it is a three-one series. Uh, I want you can go ahead. You can get your overall thoughts, how you feel about the series, how it's going on, and then I'll kind of just chime in because obviously, obviously, I'm very happy about the result. Uh, my overall feelings of the series is um, I'm kind of disappointed in Giannis. Um, I really feel like the Heat are really doing a good job to put a focus on his weakness, and um, that weakness is his inability to shoot the ball. And I'm not talking about shooting the ball from the three-point line, but uh, mid-range. I mean, he just really doesn't have a shot. He's, either, he's going all the way to the rim. He's getting a rebound. He's going back up. He's catching alley-oop. You know, somebody else is making a play for him or he's just getting to the rim. But um, his inability to shoot the ball, I've just been um, a little disappointed. And then as far as watching all his teammates, Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, uh, Brooke Lopez, all these other guys, um, they are who we thought they were, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I know Chris Middleton, he was an all-star, but he was in the East. Let me let me say that. Not to knock him, but he was in the East. And uh, Eric Bledsoe, you know, he just hasn't been scoring enough for me or creating uh, for others. George Hill hasn't been scoring enough or creating for others. Brooke Lopez, he's been hit, hitting a three ball pretty good, but that's about all he's been doing. And then the Miami Heat, I mean, it's Jimmy Butler, let me just say. Right. I knew he was a good player, but, I mean, he's really taking it to another um, level. I mean, his mid-range has been impeccable. His three-point shot, you know, it can use some work, but I guess when you had Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson on your team, <laughs> you don't yeah. have to worry about that too much. And uh, yeah, man. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna mention just about, about the, just that small part there. I always think the Jimmy Butler thing is like the misconception, like that he really can't shoot. Like they, they kind of talk about him like it's like, I don't know, like a D Wade or something, like a guy who just really, really didn't shoot. Like he, he actually is a guy who like just can't shoot at all. He, just, I know he shot a career low this year. He just also didn't take a lot of attempts. Also, I just wanted to just point that out for people. It's not like that he just can't shoot. So I always think it's like really weird when people are just like, oh, he's like shooting threes. Like, oh, nah, he can kind of make some. It's not like. You know what I mean? But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But uh, that's just something I definitely wanted to mention. Okay. And now the last point I just wanted to make um, is that Gordon Drogic, I mean, I really thought a couple of years ago, his time to leave was coming to an end. But I mean, 
He's mm-hmm. playing like he's almost an all-star in these. I mean, he's looking really, really good out there. He's really efficient. He's getting to the basket. He's creating for all this. His three ball is really falling for him right now. I mean, he's playing great. And I think as long as he had him and Jimmy playing like this, I mean, they have a chance to get out of ease. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. And of course, you know, Jodge was my pick for six man of the year. And, and because of just taking that role off the bench and being one of those leading scorers to close the game for us, I mean, he's huge. And I don't, I mean, he's been in the league for what, over 10 years. He still, nobody seems to find a way to not let him go to his left hand. So it's just incredible to me. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like, it just happens. We know where he's going. But the thing with the Heat, I, I just think, I, I don't want to overstate, understate, or overstate the Bucks thing, uh, but I think it's a bad matchup for the Bucks as well. Like, I don't want to just make this a thing where the Bucks are just not as good as we thought they were. Just think it's a bad matchup. Like, I think if they actually played like Boston in the second round, I think it's a, it's a, it's a different series. I do. If I think if they play Toronto in the second round, it's big. I just think the matchup that the Heat have with the, like the amount of defenders they can throw at them is just so much more difficult than really any team, at least in the East, I can say. I don't know about the West, but at least in the East, I can say it's a tougher matchup just so you can throw Bam and guys like that one-on-one. And like you were saying, so they build that wall up and things like that. And as far as for the rest of the Bucks are concerned, we kind of know who they are. How, every single broadcast, what do we do? We listen to Mike Breen or Mark Jackson, one of these guys say, George Hill is the best three-point shooter in the league percentage-wise. But guess what? When he needs a three-point shot in the corner with three minutes to go, he doesn't make it. Not picking on George Hill, just saying, when the games are close, I like the Heat. I like the Heat guys to make big shots over the Bucks guys. You know what I mean? When we're building up that wall. Now, of course, Middleton, he came up big in that game four there. I don't know if that's a recurring theme. I think he's a, I think he's a really good player. I just don't know if that's a recurring thing where he's that big time. He can just give me 40, you know, hop on my back. We can get a victory. I don't see it. I think, right. I think that was just a one-off time. I mean, yeah, he came like, up clutch in that time, but I think that's really what it is. Don't get me wrong. He's he's an excellent player. He's gonna he's an all-star. He's going to get his regardless. Like, he's that good. I'm just talking about big time when money shots count. You know, like you said, like I said, the George Hill or um, DiVincenzo or Brooke Lopez, these guys can hit threes all three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, when we need it money time, their shots aren't going in. And we talk about Jimmy Butler shooting 20% from three. But yeah, in the fourth quarter when we need a shot, it's money. You know what I mean? Those are the those are the kind of differences. And I and I think they've been outcoached. Like I, I'll be flat out and honest. I'll say it. Like Budenos is a good coach, things like that. And of course, I love Coach Spo. I think they've been outcoached. I think they got to put the Greek freak in situations where he can be, be able to use his strengths more. Besides, if he can't just go straight downhill, the heater button up a wall. If you, if you, I don't know if you noticed, but I think it was game three, or maybe it was, especially in the beginning of game four, but in game three as well. When they had the Greek freak catching the ball at the free throw line and, ju- and then just looking up, and of course, he's not even shooting that free throw line jumper. It would be nice if he could shoot that, but he's not. And him going straight, I mean, he were f- just had to foul him every time. Like, it wasn't like – it. I mean, you have to foul him every time. Like, we were eating up fouls for like four or five minutes there. And I was just like, why is that something that's not really incorporated for them often? I don't know their philosophy there. But, like, to me in half-court situations, I mean, I know you kind of want to just – it's really hard in the NBA when guys can set up their defense and you can just come straight from the top of the key and go down and everybody's staring at you. You know what I mean? Like these defenses are too good. So I just think that might be something they could have used. Of course, now he's got the ankle injury. I don't, we don't even know if he's going to play game five, but I mean, did you think that was going to make a difference in the series anyway at this point? I mean, even if he plays, he's going to be limited. Um, right. I don't care if he was completely healthy. Uh, they were down three. Oh yeah. They won one. Uh, I think this series is over in five. I mean, I'm just, again, I'm disappointed in what I see in them. Um, I will leave on this note, though, that I think Giannis is probably going to leave sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's definitely going to match up. We can touch on that real quick. I I definitely think 
I mean, him getting exited now, do you incorporate everything that's going on? You know, this is a bubble situation, the pandemic. We have, you know, social injustice and things going on right now. It's not a typical basketball scenario as far as a postseason. I know that might sound like excuses. Just wanted to bring it up and just mention, you know, that all that going happening. I don't know if that's the leading, that's not any maybe leading causes to get, have a second round exit, but man, that's tough. And he's probably not going to resign. We don't know, but he probably not resign. And then it, it's interesting. Do you think about, cause you know, if he doesn't resign, you know, would you think about if you're the bucks? I know we're looking far ahead, maybe even considering a trade. Cause you don't want to lose that guy like that for nothing. I, I would. I mean, I think we just learned when LeBron left Cleveland the first time or when Kevin Durant, Durant left OKC, you have to try to get something. I mean, I understand, listen, you're never going to get um, dollar-to-dollar value. Atlanta left San Antonio. They did not get a Kawhi Leonard back in that trade. So you're not going to get a Giannis back. But at least you're getting getting something. I just don't see him re-signing. I think um, he's done all he can with his team. I don't see this team being able to get our free agents. I mean, no offense, but free agents just are not going to go to Milwaukee. Uh, Let's be real. So I just think you're going to trade him, try to get a couple of first-round picks, call it a day. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I, and and I don't know if – and I know we both agree that we don't really see Chris Middleton as that guy to take that next leap forward. And, you know, he's under contract too, so it's not really like moving these guys. I just really think the key for them is like having yeah, – I think Middleton's really good, but you're really losing like – I mean, having guys like Eric Bledsoe, I mean, he, sometimes he just can't hit anything from – especially from the three. And Brooke Lopez just looks like – I mean, he's hitting some shots, but sometimes he's just throwing some stuff up to go in. Let's be honest here. Like, I mean, it doesn't really look like it's just something planned. So you don't really have a bunch of reliable guys, you know what I mean, that can really make some tough shots off the dribble or, or create different things. I mean, even the Heat, like you said, brought up the Dragic point. Even when Jimmy Butler – you saw the let down in the stretch in the game. They're going to Dragic even if Jimmy Butler's being hounded by Wesley Matthews. You know what I'm saying? They, now you got Tyler Hero being able to – you know, in this league, you got to have multiple guys that can do that. Bucks just don't seem to have been, and it's it's really great in the regular season to win 50, 55 games when you can have one great guy and we can just spot up shooters around them. But it's tough in the playoffs when a team can game plan against you, and they can stop that first to drive and that second initial drive, and it's late in the shot clock, and then you turn around and then you have DiVincenzo with the ball with five seconds left on the shot clock, and he's got to create something. That's what that's not what anybody wants. So I don't know. It's just tough. I don't see it like you said. I don't see it really happening. Uh, but we'll see going forward. I mean, I think that's very interesting. Um, I definitely do want to bring up uh the lakers and your guy lebron <laughs> did his thing last night you know disrespected westbrook with the block i know the series is tied now how you feeling about the lakers you still confident um i like what i'm seeing from the lakers um i would say this is a toss-up series though if i had to pick i would pick the lakers but i could see houston easily winning this series as well um just you didn't pace. feel like that going in right no i didn't i didn't feel like that but just the pace they play with and their ability to shoot that three ball. I mean, if they have it falling, they were down 20 last night. But once they get that three falling, when they took Westbrook out and they put Eric Gordon in and they got that shot to fall, I mean, it's hard to stop them because then if you want to double Harden, he's going to pass it to Eric Gordon. He's going to pass it to P.J. Tucker. He's going to pass it to Jeff Green. Everybody on the floor can shoot. So they space you out so I mean, it's just really hard to defend. I think at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to who's the best player on the floor, and can they get their team the points when they need to. And I love Harden. I love Westbrook. I love the ability to get inside in the paint and score. But I still think the best player on the planet right now is LeBron James. And I still think these are going to be close games. And when it's close, he's the guy you can rely on. Yeah. I I can't really argue with that. I do think – I kind of agree with you there. I thought the Rockets – 
not that they were going to get ran off the court, but I just thought the matchup was just not very good. But, man, that pace that they have is really hard to keep up with for four quarters, even with a team that can just go big like the Lakers. You really would think it's, it's as simple as, like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, put Anthony Davis in there and we'll just post up P.J. Tucker. It's really not that simple, you know, the way they're playing. And I'll give credit to the Rockets. They're probably, I mean, aside from the heat and some stretches in, in the playoffs in some moments in the fourth quarter, they're probably playing the best defense of any team in the league. Like, I mean, just defensively, they're able to rotate and do a lot of things. And then, like you said, they're, they're just putting up so many three-point shots that it's just hard to, like, it's hard to defend. It's like when teams are putting up 50 three-point shots in a game, I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? Like, some of these are going to fall. So I think it's tough. Um, I know Westbrook definitely yesterday had a really tough night. I don't, I don't think you'd have – that's probably going to be his worst game in the series. We could probably agree. I mean, he's not going to have that bad of a game going forward. Is it? Well, here's what I'll say. I, I think they're going to look at film and then they're going to get to going back to like, no, I think look, let's, well, I'll tell you, say, they say two things. One, I think Westbrook was taking a bunch of shots, especially in that game when they were down. I think that, you know, you should just trying to get the quick hitters to get back in the game. Second thing I would say is they got to get back to getting Westbrook downhill. Whether if he's getting, if Harden's getting doubled off, off the Westbrook's man, he's got to catch it on the run. Like they were doing late in the season before the bubble. And, and he's got to be able to play make from there or finish at the rim. Cause him, him sitting over there spotting up that that's not, He's not going to probably go one for seven, but he'll go three for nine. But to Westbrook's you know I mean? credit, I will say he was taking what the defense was giving him. They were playing off of him. If he was at three-point line, they were almost in the block. I mean, they were really but, playing off of him. Yes, but and, at the same time, they were sim- there was similar defense was being played late in the regular season. Not, not all the way in the block, per se, but still further back where he was just catching it on the run, and what are you going to do? What are you going to do with, that, with a guy like that? So, you know what I mean? It can be done. I mean, it can be done. What I will say, though, is I I love Westbrook. I think you get the good and bad with him. I think next game, you know, he could go three for seven from the three. I mean, he could shoot a lot better, and then we could be talking about a whole different series from that point. Right. I just think it depends if he's going to hit the shot or not. I think he's just one of those guys. He's a great player. I know he's an MVP. He averaged a triple-double, but I think he's also one of those guys. If he's hitting the shots, he looks like the best player in the league. If he's missing those shots, he looks like one of the worst players in the league. I think last night he just unfortunately had a bad game. I think he just sum up, sum it up to he just wasn't you know, hitting no shots. They just weren't falling for him. I think once he starts hitting the shots and the um, defense has to respect that shot, then he can get by you with a quick hesitation and get inside the paint. But until then, they're going to play off of And even if he has a head of steam, he's just going to get a lot of charging calls like he did last night. Yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's probably going to be a thing, a theme, a running theme for them going forward. Westbrook hitting shots or missing shots. That's kind of what it's going to be. But I think the one thing he can control or the, the Rockets can control is just having him go downhill. That's something that you can't change. So if he can get downhill, that, that gives him, let's just at least get higher percent of shots. Even if you get fouled, you get to the free throw line. You know, I mean, you see the ball go in, then we can start moving further out. But like I said, I think overall it's going to be an interesting series just going forward. I still got the Lakers. I think it'll be a longer series than I maybe anticipated just because I, I didn't realize the Rockets defensively were this good. So um, I will say that. Now, of course, the Clippers and Nuggets, let's just be honest here. I know the Nuggets played a good game in game two. I know they got the victory. I like Murray. I like Jokic. Jokic is my guy. But I, I, I'm thinking this is over in five or six. I mean, at this point, right? Let, let's keep it simple. It's over in five. I mean, listen, the Clippers took their foot off the gas pedal. Can we blame them for that? Yes. Can we kill them for that? Yes, that one game. That's all it was. It was one game. I mean, mm-hmm. Jokic, I mean, the, the team scored 44 points in the first quarter. Anybody that scores 44 points in the first quarter, they're going to win nine right. times out of ten. I really think they got hot. 
and the Clippers to their um, foot off the pedal. Next game, I expect Kawhi and Paul George, they each respectively had 25 points apiece. Uh, they'll probably beat them by 10. I don't even think it's much to discuss in that series. I like Denver. I think there's still one piece missing, one wing player. I like Yoke is down low, but they need somebody that can um, score efficiently for the wing. I like Paul Murray. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you know, you had an injury risk with him, but maybe if he can become that guy, then, yeah, I can see it. Jamal okay. Murray, I really do like him. Um, I know we talked about it before offline. Um, he can be kind of inconsistent. One game, he can give you 40. The next game, he can give you 11. But if he can just start giving you 20, 20, 20 every single night, I think this is team for the future. But right now, the Clippers, I had them winning a five. I agree. I agree. I definitely agree there. The series I did want to mention, because I don't really remember your pick, but the Boston and, and Raptors series, I know it's 2-2 now. I know the, you know, I'll just recap for people, but I know that Boston blew it. They, they had a chance to go up 3-0. OG Ananubi hit the shot. Of course, that um, definitely extended the series. And I, I kind of felt that once he hit that shot, the Raptors were going to go ahead and game four and tie this thing up. So now it's a brand new series. Um, what, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? I'm feeling bad for Boston. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tough really, shot. Yeah, it was a tough shot, but I mean, it really did change the whole complexion of the series. I don't know why we're playing. Why we playing zone? Why we? Playing I mean, zone I, I don't understand. Jalen Brown is just leaving somebody open in the corner. I mean, I understood. Listen, they wanted to try to double um, Fred Van Bleed. They didn't want him to get open a little, but when you leave a guy wide open, give credit to Kyle Lowry with that pass, though. Right. He passed it over Taco Falls. He's over seven feet tall. I mean, it was a great pass. But still, bad defense from Boston. Uh, bad defense again. We had a bad shooting game from Tatum the other night. Um, Jalen Brown really wasn't on his A game either. If yeah. I had to pick right now, I think I would still lean towards Boston because I think they keep it simple. The name of the game is putting points on the board, and I think Boston does that better than Toronto. But I'm not Closer confident than we think. in that. Yeah, I'm not confident in it. I'm going Boston. Here's why I'm confident. Come on, man. OG hit a shot with 0.5 seconds left. The game was pretty much over. I knew Toronto wasn't just going to be out here getting swept. I just think when push comes to shove, do we really think Tatum is going to have that many bad games in a row or Jalen Brown? You know what I mean? Like, at certain points, we got to trust these guys. These are some bigger guards. I, I just – I don't – I don't – I think that I can see this over in six. I can really see this over in six. I, I, I like – Kyle Lowry's been playing well. You know I'm not a big Kyle – a lot of us aren't a big Kyle Lowry. No, but, I'm not either. But he's played well. I'll give credit when credit's due. He's played well in some big games. I just don't see it lasting. Van Vliet hasn't really shot the ball well at all. Siakam is sometimes, you know, in APB, needs to be put out for him sometimes. I don't even know where he's at. So, I just like Jalen Brown, Tatum. I like those guys to show up when I need it. And, oh, and, uh, you know, un- don't underestimate Kemba's been playing really well. I know he had the knee thing, but he's been playing really well in spots, and Marcus Smart has been playing out of his mind. So, when you, when you, you know, you, they just got too much talent for me. When it, when it push comes to shove, I think they're going to be able to get out of the series. As tough as it may look right now, and it's tied up, I think they're going to be able to get out the series, man. I, I, I just, I just definitely think so. But one thing I did want to mention, um, I, you know, we hadn't talked about it before. I wanted to, to quickly mention it with you. Brett Brown did get fired as Philadelphia 76ers coach. I know we had previously talked about Embiid and Simmons and what you think we should do. How do you feel about it? Do you think it was the right decision? Um, just kind of your general thoughts there. Um, I think it was the right decision. Uh, there's an old saying, you know, um, and it's paraphrasing it, just saying that Sandy is doing something over and over again and they're expecting um, different results. I think with Brett Brown, they had gone as far as they could. I'm still not a big believer in the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid pairing. 
I think they probably should look into blowing that up as well. But the first step was getting rid of the head coach. I like Brett Brown as a guy. I think he's nice. I think he's good for an up-and-coming team. But when it's talking about a championship team and getting a team over the hump, I don't think he's that guy, at least not for this team. My bigger issue with them is, though, they don't have any shooting. You let J.J. Reddick go. You let Jimmy Butler walk out. Who? We could say, you know, he wanted to leave on his own. They didn't try hard enough to keep him. Yada, yada, yada. He's still gone. Well, no, no. And you, I, I, well, let's call this what it is. They chose Tobias Harris over to Jimmy Butler. They could have paid one of the one or the other. They chose they chose Tobias Harris. Okay, well, and listen, I would have chosen Jimmy Butler. <laughs> right. But and I mean, I would you have chosen him then? Yes. Really? Listen, Tobias, a nice locker room guy. When has he been anything more than just 15 points per game on the books? I mean, really. He did that in Orlando. He did that with the Clippers. But he's never really been a $100 million guy. And well, all of a sudden, at, at the end there with the Clippers, you know, he was playing really well. He was an, he was an all-star caliber guy. I'll give you that. Okay. And Jimmy Butler's been an all-star caliber guy for like the last five years, right? But can you – I can agree with them on paper looking back on it. When, when you looked at – you had Ben Simmons, a non-shooter, Joel Embiid, a guy in the post. It just looked like on paper we should get a guy that can really shoot the ball. Like on paper. But what you don't, what you underestimate with a guy like Jimmy Butler is just so it goes so much beyond the box score and beyond shooting. It's not only what he brings to defensively and his playmaking. It's just there's just so many intangibles that he brings to a team, locker room leadership, all that stuff that makes him a hundred million dollar guy. And I think that maybe most people didn't really understand that at the time. I think the Heat knew that. Like obviously he's a great fit with their culture. I mean, it made sense as soon as he signed with the Heat. Everybody was kind of like, you know what, I can see that happening. But I wasn't really that surprised at Philly at the time, and I. I could have made an argument for it, if that made sense. I mean, I, I'm not really sure. But I, I think with them, uh, I would agree with you uh, there. Brett Brown did have to go. I would say, I know we spoke about it previously, but I, I would inquire about, you know, trade calls for Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, see what you can get. I'm kind of leaning towards building around the Ben Simmons thing, man, if I'm being honest. That's just me. I mean, I think that's where the league's going. You got to put shooters around a guy. He can be the Siakam, the, your Greek freak, or any one of these long wings. I think you win the – I think you win championships in this league with wings. And, and, I think it, you do too, yeah. but my issue with it is I just don't think there's anybody in the league that could mesh up or guard Joel Embiid. So I think he's going to – every mm. time Joel Embiid steps on the court, if he's 100%, and that's a big if, he should be the best player at his position. I can't say the same for Ben Simmons. So I think if you could exploit that weakness on the court and put shooters around Joel Embiid, I think you have the potential to have a higher ceiling than you do with Ben Simmons. I don't think Ben Simmons is ever going to develop a jump shot. I know we keep asking him to shoot threes. He's just not going to shoot it. I don't think that's part of his game. I don't think it ever will be part of his game. I think in many ways, because of that, it might be easier to build a team around Joel Embiid. Now, if you want to go off the court stuff, leadership, this, that, and the third, maybe then we can make an argument. But Ben Simmons really hasn't shown himself to be the greatest leader on the court as well. I'll give you that, and I definitely agree. But here's the thing with the Joel Embiid thing. I think there's two important factors here. One, the health thing is bigger than what we think. I agree. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that is a big determinant factor when building around a guy. I know Ben Simmons just recently got injured, but he's not really been injury prone. I know he had the injury coming in, but, you know, Joel Embiid has got some chronic things going on. Two, I'm just going to call it what it is, man. Joel Embiid, yes, like you said, there is nobody that can guard him in the league, what, in the, in the low post, right? And I'm sure that's what you were referring yes. to. But let's be real. Joel Embiid should be in the low post, but he tries to be Anthony Davis. He wants to be out in the perimeter, shooting jump <laughs> shots and doing that too. He's not. Do you see Joel Embiid dominating the game? For 38 minutes, and he on a playoff show, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go down the block, and I'm gonna pass him out the block. I'm gonna make turnaround jumpers and post hooks and up and unders, 
and I'm just going to dominate a series. Or let's just say, I mean, it's, well, not even say a series, a game. I'm just going to dominate a game like that and forget all these jump shots. And I, not that he can't shoot any jump shots, but I don't think the issue is just like Ben Simmons is just in the way, and that's why he's at the perimeter. Like, I think Joel Embiid would just try to do that regardless. Like, he sees Jokic. He sees Anthony Davis. I mean, even to a portion, he sees Bam. He's like, oh, I'm going to be like one of those guys. I just think that's I think that's what Joel Embiid is going to want to do regardless. And I think because of that, that's always going to hamper your team. And, 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 of course, the injuries. And I think just Ben Simmons might be easier. Of course, of what he can do defensively, too. Of course, Joel Embiid's an excellent defender as well. But I just think with the health risk is too big. Um, but, I mean, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see either way. Like you said, the, the, the first things first. Maybe they can take one flyer at a coach that can maybe try to make this work. You and I both agree that it, this isn't something that's probably going to win them a championship, just that that core. And like you said, they just don't have enough shooting. I mean, my guy Josh Richardson from the Heat. I mean, man, he I mean he couldn't yeah, hit he anything. In, yeah, he couldn't hit anything in the ocean. I mean, it was tough. I mean, <laughs> they try to put Shake Milton in there to try to switch some things up in point guard position, but uh, still tough. Yeah, that didn't really work too well either. Yeah, it's tough. So I mean, Philly's an interesting thing. And and I, and, I, and here's the thing. One last thing I'll mention on that. And it's not really getting any easier in the East. I know we just said a whole bunch of things about Giannis, but we'll know that we we'll know that he'll at least be there for next year, right? Yeah. And if he's there for next year, even if you bring back the same squad, guess what they're going to do? Win 50, 55 games, right? Regardless of what we say. The Heat will still be there. Boston will still be there. Indiana's coming back with Oladipo. And who knows what TJ Warren, masks like Kawhi Leonard is going to look like next year. So, like, we got to see what's Like, we got Brooklyn, right? I forgot about them, too. So, you've I've just named five teams that on paper are, are better than Philly. And Philly's got to find their way to, to – to, okay, they're maybe better than Indiana, but Philly's got to find their way to kind of, like, work their way through. What I do want to mention, however, though, we were talking about the Greek last week. I, I know we were talking off air. We were laughing about it. People have mentioned to me that I didn't mention the Greek freak was the best friend in the league. I just want to clar- <laughs> I just want to clarify here while I have the chance. What I said was the Greek freak is the best player – He's the best player in the league as far as overall player. So bringing everything to the table, offense, defense, right, everything in between. But that doesn't mean if I just want a one guy to get a bucket or things like that, that he's going to be my choice. I think that he's got limitations to this game that doesn't help that. And to be fair, Trey, you know this, but a lot of people don't. I think the best player in the league has been Kevin Durant. I think he's been the best player on the planet for the past at least two and a half years. So I just didn't mention him, of course, because he wasn't healthy. But I just want to clarify that because I don't think – I know, I know it sounded really bad as soon as I said that, of course, they just immediately go down 0-3. So I was like, let me just go ahead and mention that I don't think he's the best player in the league. I just think I just, I think overall he's got the best skill set and everything in the league. But if I need a bucket or things like that, actually, like I, I don't even think if I need a bucket, LeBron wouldn't even be my choice either if I'm being fair. He but, wouldn't be my choice either, but I think he's still better than uh, Giannis overall. He, oh, just you think – you still think overall. Okay. Over- I mean, listen, if we're going on a one, the 10 scale, let's say LeBron's 10, Giannis is 9.9. So, I mean, I don't think it's a great big difference. Yeah, we're just, but... yeah, we're just apples and oranges kind of thing here. Yeah. It's very... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, you know, last thing here I do want to mention, I know we, we talked about college football. Um, how are you feeling about it? Open up. I, I know we had some games just this past week. You think it's going to kind of work out with everything going on with the pandemic here? Um, yeah, I watched um, a little bit of the game, SMU versus Texas, um, this past weekend. Um, I thought it was a really good game. Uh, I think they were only limiting this st- stadium to about 2,500. Um, obviously, that was kind of weird seeing the empty stadium on TV. But other than that, it really felt like college football was back. I'm excited as a fan. Do I think that they will complete the full season? Uh, I'm not really positive on that, I think. It'll probably be some starts and stoppages due to COVID and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
but still, I'm excited about it. Um, this is bringing back some more, I guess, normal fall feelings that we all enjoy, you know, watching college football early Saturday mornings, watching right. college game day. So I am excited about that. Um, I'm happy to see what the Hurricanes do this year. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I'm just excited about it. How are you feeling about the college football season this year? I feel good. I mean, I'm really annoyed that this is, uh, this pandemic is happening when the Canes actually have a really good shot this year. <laughs> so, of course, just our luck. But I would say about it, I think – I would say overall, any of the sports that we, we talk about that have to deal with the pandemic or social distancing and things like that, whether it's the bubble in the NBA, the MLB, college sports I think is the toughest because that's the sports that I think for we can all agree, especially college football and basketball – bring the most intensity, like those fans, that passion and stuff. I think we're going to like, I know we kind of got used to the bubble and the NBA players and we're like, oh, okay. Like, well, we got used to it. We're just watching basketball. I think it's going to be really weird watching Alabama and Auburn and like having 2,500 fans or so in the seats. Like, it's just going to be weird, man. Like, it's just going to be so weird with the college sports. I, that's going to be one of the things for me. It's going to be like, wow, like college sports is one that brings that intensity, that level of like passion and excitement that even pro sports don't always get. And I think it's just going to be like, really weird without the fans man so i'm interested to see how it goes i'm, I'm interested to see. i hope it, i hope the season doesn't get stopped or started I, I do hope that i know the big 10 um you know i said they didn't want to play and things like that in a few conferences that had opted out so that's going to even make it even more weird so do you also think that in, if some conferences kind of call out there i mean some teams aren't going to be available what are we going to do when we kind of champion is it going to be an asterisk next to the season uh, I think it will be an asterisk next to the champion. I don't think about the whole season as a whole, but just the, the champion. I think the SEC, they're going to say whoever wins that is the champion. I think the ACC, whoever wins that is going to be the champion. I think with the Pac-10 or Pac-12, whenever they play, this, it's going to be the champion. I think it's going to be like five or six champions running around here. <laughs> right. Uh, you might have UCF claim they're the champion again. <laughs> right, right. I think right. we're going to have one of those scenarios. But, I mean, listen, it's a different year. We're just going to chop it up to that. And, uh, I don't think people are going to really care at the end of the day because I think people are just ready to watch football. Yeah. To be honest with you, yeah, that definitely is true, man. Well, uh, I think we pretty much got everything wrapped up we wanted to talk about today. I, I know um, a lot of news has come out. Um, of course, you know, we did want to pay our respect to Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther. Um, you know, obviously he was a big figure in, in, in our lives. Um, I, the news was so shocking. Um, I know we talked about it off of here. And it kind of just like really brought our mood down because, you know, he was definitely somebody that was a big figure to not just the black community, but just, you know, you know, the community in general. Um, and I definitely think especially, you know, 2020 has been tough with some of the losses that we've gotten. Of course, jo Coach John Thompson as well. Um, but, you know, any thoughts on the, on the Chadwick Boseman, man? Um, I think really when I saw the news about it. Again, you know, I was just really uh, brought down my mood. But I think one of the first things that came to my mind is really you just have to take every day like it's your last. You have to treat every day like it's last. your last. You can't take it for granted, you know. Uh, live your life to the fullest. Try to be a better impact in the world. And um, really live your life like he did. I mean, he put his foot forward every single day, and he tried his best to make the planet better. I mean, you know, just do everything to your best ability. I think that's what I really thought about when I saw it. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and I want to say, you know, thoughts and prayers out to his family and things like that. And, and I definitely... Um, you know, it's, it's a big hit to our community. You know, he's one of our heroes. So I definitely don't want to take it lightly. You losing, you know, basically two of our heroes in the same year, him, Kobe Bryant, things like that. Been very tough, but, um, you know, definitely rest in peace, man. But, uh, um, we do want to wrap this up here. You know, Trey, thanks for, you know, always w going in here and, and getting this done. Um, I do appreciate talking to you about all the topics we'll discuss. I know we got some games going on today. 
So that'll be on the lighter notes, something, you know, we can look forward to. And then we got Boston tonight as well. Uh, we'll definitely chop it up. Hopefully next time we chop it up, man, the Heat will be in the conference finals. You know, hopefully we'll wrap this thing up early. Uh, but I do want to say appreciate it, man. And uh, hope everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in previously. Please, like, once again, uh, like, subscribe to the Interesting Enough podcast. Um, you know, follow us on social. Definitely be bringing you more content soon. Yes, thank you so much, man. All right. You guys have a good one.